Media Podcast, Episode 2. Simon, how are you today? Pretty fine, thank you, Mark. Um, life is sweet. We've had the most divine week of weather. One day it was rainy, but the rest was simply superb. Blue skies, low 20s. I mean, not a breath of air at the beach this morning. Unreal. To all you poor souls that are in lockdown, firstly, we sympathise. However, oh, we're not gloating. It's very, Don't very gloat. unkind of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I've, I've actually spent the last week up in Geraldton. Oh, cool. Yeah, so... Um, what have you been doing in Geraldton? Well, week of school holidays. My in-laws have got a nice place on the beach. So we're literally across the road Sweet. from the beach. So, um, I do like going to Geraldton. It's a good place yeah. for people around the world. Geraldton's about 500 kilometres north of Perth. It's a crayfishing town originally. Yeah, famous internationally for all the uh, windsurfing kite makers and, um, and board makers to test their next year's, next season's products. Because it is bloody windy. And as you drive into town, there's that <laughs> tree which grows up for about a metre and then sideways for about four metres. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, it's a, quite a popular tourist spot. And uh, yeah, so spent the week up there. The house is located just a kilometre from the head of a mountain bike trail or walking trail it's you took some bikes yeah always we take our bikes up there you know once you've puncture proofed your bicycle which is very necessary up there with the double mm, g's yeah. but we um yeah i got to go mountain biking every afternoon i actually worked while i was there because i'm in that fortunate situation where i work from home just my home wasn't at my normal home that week beautiful yeah so it's quite nice the um before we go any further let's do an ad let's do an ad i can hardly wait <laughs> <laughs> it's Calmedia Family Vineyards. They are a family-owned vineyard based in the Margaret River region and have been there for over 30 years. They own several premium vineyards across the region and they produce Rosebrook, Bunkers, Calmedia, Bramble Lane and the Brian Fletcher Signature Wines under the watchful eye of Chief Winemaker Severine Logan. In recent years, the family's expanded their portfolio to include a range of wines from Italy in conjunction with their Italian producer partners. The Kalanegia family's philosophy is to produce fruit-driven, elegant wines that are a true reflection of the vineyards they come from with an uncompromised commitment to quality. Please check them out at cfvwine.com.au. Now, they have generously donated an, another three bottles of wine to any listener that gets in touch with us to let us know they've left a review on Apple iTunes of this podcast. So drop a review, send me a DM through Instagram, Facebook, however you want to do it, or even just send me an old-fashioned email. You'll get me at all Mark and Cars taglines anywhere. So we've got well, a special... on um, Sunday, I went to Collie to watch the um, Vintage Sporting Car Club Historic Racing. There's a lot on on Sunday. There's a huge amount on. Car shows everywhere. Yeah, there are two car shows. And it, was a, it was a very sweet little... Um, Ian Broughton was there with... Um, it's 356. sorry, yeah. yeah. With his uh, 356, the little bathtub, having a great time. And there was uh, a little, a very, um, what they call long nose, uh, orange car, Neil Grant's car, which actually broke down a couple of times. 911. Ah, yes, early, I know the one. Yeah, it's a yeah, F-series body, I think. Yeah, good looking. Long hood. Good looking thing. It is a smart looking long car. Hood, yeah. And um, a white, probably G-series gearbox car. Um, and there was one other. I think there was a red uh, 80s 911 there as well. Plenty of Porsche both action down there. Yeah, both thundering around. And a mate of mine was down there with his V8 TR7. Oh, yeah, a lot of fun, those And cars. I went to watch a um, 164 Volvo race car too. Oh, was it? Oh, was it? Kind of interesting <laughs> Ken Waller 
was uh, debuting his uh, 164 race car he just built, and it made a glorious noise. Straight yeah, sure. 6.3 litre. Yep, yep. Straight through exhaust, no doubt. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. It's fantastic. And, um, yeah, it was a great day. Got a bit sunburned, you know. Were they using the long course or the short course? Uh, I don't know. I couldn't see over that, that side of the hill. So I, I'm pretty sure it was the long course. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good one. Yeah, I've uh, not had a chance to get down there since the long course has opened, but... They've improved the infrastructure quite a bit. Yeah, I've heard that's the case. It's, um, you know, lots more parking. It's more organised. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's looking really smart. For the... Again, people who are listening from around the world or even outside of Western Australia, the Collie uh, track is 200k South Perth? Yeah, about that. And it's it's an old coal mine and all the access roads to the pit, etc., and the uh, sundry buildings for an old mine, because it's a really old mine, have been turned into a, a sort of regional racetrack. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's, it is a good thing. And, you know, it's good for the um, country town too to have mm. all the uh, people coming from Perth to... Use it as a facility, I think, and it's a pretty reasonably priced place to actually hire for a day and that type of thing compared to the tracks yeah, closer to town, you know. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Now we are actually recording today in very salubrious. Yeah, it's a bit flasher than a normal your garage and my garage. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, we're um, we're actually sitting in the meeting room or boardroom of Porsche Centre Perth because we're here to talk to our guest tonight, today, depending on when you're listening. Marco from Porsche Centre, thanks for joining us today. Hi, gents. Thanks for having me. So tell us, how's business? Pretty good. <laughs> As everyone's seen on the news and social media and everywhere else, business has been very good for us. Yeah, good one. It's um, plenty of nice cars downstairs. Yes, all sold or about to be delivered. Yep, yep. So are you finding yourself in the position where stock is limiting the sales at the moment in a way yes we're always quite a a small volume brand where we don't carry a lot of stock but at the moment we are selling more cars than normal and the factory is building less cars than normal due Mm -hmm. to various reasons from covid to semiconductor shortages which everyone's well aware of now yes uh before we get into that tell us about you what were you doing before you came here to know well i've worked here my whole life or half my life i left high school I started here as an apprentice mechanic and uh, never left. That was 15 Your years ago. very clean for an apprentice, well, apprentice mechanic. I've been off the tools for 10 years now, yeah, okay. so I've had a <laughs> few years of out. scrubbing. Yeah, you know, okay. it's, yeah cleaned mm-hmm. up. And uh, how was the transition of front of shop from back of shop? Well, you that, some pretty good insight to it your product. It was, it was. I mean, I didn't mean to do that. No, one, no 16-year-old sets out a goal that long. But yeah, I started as an apprentice mechanic, was a tech after I qualified for a little bit. Then I did service advising and then transitioned into sales. Tell us uh, about the when you were doing service. Mm-hmm. So, I'm trying to think what era is that. The that would be 2007. So that would have been 997.2. You know, peak, peak, no, thing. peak 997. Uh, 997.2 came out two years later. Oh, okay. Um, we had sort of the. Oh, you're the heyday of the uh, IMS, were you? For, uh, hey, it doesn't exist that problem. Yeah, okay. Not anymore. They've all been fixed. <laughs> Correct, yeah. It was a squeaky wheel gets the oil. Most yes. of them were okay. Yep. Um, but yeah, we had Cayenne facelift coming out then. Uh, the, the famous, infamous Panamera was a couple of years away from coming. So yeah, it's a good is time to Is that still a model? It is. Yeah, so we're still selling them. People think the Taycan has replaced it, but not at all. So it's a separate model. We do two SUVs, two sports cars and two sedans. So yes, you can still order a Panamera tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Before <laughs> 
they look. I've, I've been fortunate enough to drive one. It feels like the world's largest car. It does, yeah. It's quite a long car, but compared to its competitors from other brands who make the long wheelbase cars, it drives relatively normal. Most of those cars, you sort of give up a nice drive and, and think it's a chauffeur car, while the Panamera can still drive and feel somewhat sporty. Where a lot of the plus five meter cars on the marketplace, you lose all sense of feel. I, I absolutely love the look of them. Uh, from the minute they came out, see, there was one they, person. They were got a buyer. There is there. there <laughs> I, is I just one. love them. They they are like they, like nothing else. Yeah, they're unique. You know, and um, so many of the other sort of top brands sort of morphed into all looking pretty much the same. It's pretty, that's a fair statement. Yeah, you and know. I just I think they're gorgeous. The um, I've known very few cars where the colour impacts the yes. shape as much mm, as that one. Yep. You know, the lines like you look at some of the early ones. Yeah, of that era where, you know, the first ones, look, everyone's got their opinion of the car, and that's all it is, it's their opinion. Like, just like you've said, you think it's a good-looking car? I know people out there go, oof, yeah, no, right? I'm sort of in the middle because I've seen some... will do that, yeah. I've seen (laughs) some that look great and some that look, yeah, that's not for me, you know? Like, I'm not a big fan of wood in a car. Like, I just don't associate wood in a car with the brand Porsche. You know, Mm. it's... But all the early ones I saw... Common, yeah. Yeah, shocking. But again, it's an opinion. You know, I just don't yeah. like the look of it. I'll buy both if I want wood in it, right? <laughs> and, uh, or a sideboard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the um, but I will say, I agree. It's a good driving car. Yeah. I was just curious about uh, how many of those cars go out the door a year. You reckon uh, these days? It just depends. I mean, some months we might do a couple, and we might go a couple of months without doing one. Yeah, so okay. They're, sure. Yeah, they're not as common as the other brands as the other models in our brand purely because we are an suv country i guess yeah yeah for sure but we you know we've always sold what we get which is you know for that model line pretty good yep the um both simon and i live within surrounding postcodes of this very location Mm -hmm. so we're very conscious of the volume of suvs that are selling out of this yes dealership do you think the KN would have sold as well as it did if the McCann came out first? Um, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think we still would have sold a similar number because customers still come to us today, you know, thinking they want a McCann, but they end up buying a KN due to space reasons. Probably in this position now, in this moment of time, you'd probably say McCann would have maybe taken a few of those sales away earlier, but... I think it still would have been pretty successful. There's still Either plenty way. of KNs, new I mean, KNs still, out of the road. We're still selling plenty of KNs, so that gives me the confidence to say that. That coupe-style body, yeah. like that's just about all you see getting around nowadays. Well, yeah, everywhere. I, when we get a new model out, everyone seems to jump onto it, but we're still selling the typical, we call the, the normal shape SUV. We're still selling plenty of the SUV shape as well. Hmm, okay. Mark, I come from a, a real estate sales background. Mm-hmm. That's That's... Uh, industry I've been in for 24 years. The very industry that so, supports this one. Indeed. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're actually sponsored. Yeah. <laughs> Indirectly. So, so, um, you know, my, I, I know how, what the life of a real estate agent is like and how um, you know, running a database is important, going mm. into past clients, uh, checking in, subtly giving opportunities to them, uh, all of those sort of uh, things. You'd still... Like, you know, there's guys, how many guys on tonight? Where it's a Thursday night in Perth, it's late night trading, it's car. car it's Wednesday night, night everyone. <laughs> Wednesday, sorry. <yeah. laughs> 
So how many guys are on the floor tonight? So normally on Wednesday nights, as a dealership, obviously we open all day, yeah. um, eight till six for sales. Uh, we do on Wednesday nights, uh, run till nine. So that's just the sales team and yeah. the finance team and the, and the Bentley sure. side of things as well. Sure. So, so like you're four, a guy who, four to five you, of us normally on a Wednesday okay. night. Okay. So you, you're a guy who's come into the industry as a young man. Yep. Um, you haven't been in business, haven't got a sort of a long back history of uh, network of connections, yep. etc. Yep. How, do you, how does one get started? Uh, well, for me in this industry, it started it through a connection in the workshop. Started as the apprentice and then, you know, did the right things, I guess, and worked my way through it. I did service advising purely because as a young apprentice slash technician, I would do backup advising when an advisor was on holidays. I enjoyed that role, Um, did that, jumped into it, did it for a couple of years and then always looked over across the showroom at the sales team. And everyone that was having fun, you know, partying, you know, all that stuff. And I thought, you know, I'll eventually like to do that. I had a chat to the dealer principal at the time. We, you know, sort of actioned the plan and, yeah, that's how it sort of happened. So now you make the transition from, you know, you burn the overalls in the corner. Burn the overalls. Don't talk to the mechanics anymore, all that stuff. (laughs) Don't talk to the great and wash. (laughs) And, you you know, you do Pilates for a year. Yes. Your back sort of. Correct, yeah, yeah. And then you come over to this side. So now you're a fresh guy. Yep. You know everything technically. Yep. But sales is a different skill. Correct. And I know where you're going with this. So, you're saying no database. No well, database. Luckily so how, for where me. Did you do it? Where did you start? So I was a service advisor for three years. Yeah. And a service advisor gets very close with customers because yeah. we see them on an annual basis. Um, there's obviously a trust factor there because I'm not trying to sell them a car. And I built up a very good database, built up rapport, built up, you know, customer connections from there. So when I started in sales, I actually did have a database, which is quite rare. Yeah. Correct. So that's where I yeah. skipped a step there. I had a database straight away, which I was quite blessed. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a great thing because, mm. uh, you know, Com- in, in correct. state sales, it's, it's old saying. It's cold it's like, calling and door knocking. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the, the saying is like you go and join an agency, a real estate firm, and the, the principal takes you to your desk and he goes... Uh, Here's uh, the white pages. Pretty much. Not quite. Right? <laughs> Yellow. Here's your desk. He goes, here's your desk. Here's your phone. Good luck. You're on your own. Because that's actually what happens. And so, um, you know, the fact that you've had this sort of soft transition into mm. it has been a great benefit, mm. no doubt. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Do you love what you do? Yes. Do you love Porsche? It's long hours, so we have to. Yes. Ever since I was a kid, it was uh, my favourite brand. Did your parents ever have one? No. Okay. So what that's why that's why I love them even more. Let's talk about the trigger car. I I would have to, I'd have to say the nine six four turbo from Bad Boys. Yeah, okay. Common common answer for a lot of people, you know, of, for my generation. For your generation, yep, yeah. Yep. It was, you know, at that time a movie I shouldn't be watching. I was allowed to watch it <laughs> and I saw the movie. <laughs> And it uh, sort of kicked on from there. I, I, there's other brands I love. I'm, I'm a big car lover, but Porsche was always uh, high up there. And Are you allowed to mention those other brands in this uh, room? Uh, this hallowed hall? I, th- I think uh, I love Porsche the most, so we, won't have to, we don't have to mention the other ones. It's a relief. It's such a, uh, a big gap between first and second. Any eccentric stuff? You know, weird, weird. Uh, not really. I mean, you know, as a kid, I grew up in the 90s supercar era. So, you know, your McLaren mm-hmm. F1s, yeah. your Ferrari F40, Countach slash Diablo, all that kind of stuff. You, do you have a toy or a hobby car at home? Uh, no, I haven't owned a car for many a year. I mean, I've always thought about tinkering with something. I, I did like, uh, you know, M3s, uh, proper M3s, uh, straight sixes, naturally aspirated back in the day, but just didn't have the space or, or the money said, to tinker. I would have said four, 
No, I I wish we had them, but unfortunately the E30s were already expensive by the time I was. uh, Not getting any cheaper now, my friend. No, like every car. In hindsight, I thought forty grand, you know, fifteen years ago is expensive, but one hundred and fifty now seems to be the norm. A hankering for something that you know you probably would achieve, you know. uh, Do you have a gold car? Uh, gold car, yes, it is, uh, and this is a little bit against the brand. There's a couple of gold cars. You know, you always have your top three, top five, top ten. Don't worry, Marco. It's but, just us here. But yeah. for me, it is the uh, for Porsche. It's the 911 GT1, the uh, infamous car. <laughs> Widowmaker. We're, we're talking about. Oh, when I said gold car, I'm talking about car you might actually own one day. Oh, sorry, I pretty mean dream car, no, gold get, car. Don't get me wrong. Because I got no yeah, chance of that. Know, I know what the I don't know what the pay's like here. Right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> you get paid. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's all, yeah, good. In terms, in terms of a gold car, it has to be a 911 of some variety, guaranteed. You got an era, favourite era? I mean, I am partial, and I know we've got one in the showroom right now. I'm very partial to 997.2s. It's just the coolness factor about, you know, that last, you know, raw body, you'd say, with the new PDK, direct injection, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. even though I do prefer manual. Simon here nearly, he's, you know, he's, he's, I thought he was going to pull out the credit card yeah. on that well, I'm not done yet. I just... <laughs> Just got it I in. Like the wheels on it. The purity of the shape. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're talking about a, um, a white with a black interior 997 that's sitting on a showroom floor. Correct. And it is a stunner. It is a good looking car. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a, a great model line in my eyes, mainly because uh, uh, the special cars in that series, um, the GD3, uh, the, the GD2s, all that are, are quite, you know, last of that crazy era. You know, it was the last manual GD2. The GD3 in that series, you know, was the last of the Metzger engine. They did release the RS4 liter, which is a halo car. So that series for such a short window, two years really of production, has so many special models in my eyes. Yeah, they, look, those, you know, the RS4 liter, that... Yeah, they, oh, we never they, saw one. They're gold, they're gold There was one recently that popped up and disappeared mm-hmm. instantly in Adelaide and, yeah. This is a, a um, really I think five low, or seven came to the country, so yeah, they were there. They were a unicorn. Yep. Mm. The um, what was the type of work in the workshop that just tipped you over whenever it turned up? I mean, as a first year, I, I can I'm old enough to say back in my day it was a little <laughs> bit different. Uh, first year apprentice now is probably a bit more of a smooth transition. Mine was bins and cleaning floors and cleaning tools and that kind of stuff. So I used to hate doing that at the start, but I applied myself quickly and made sure I could work on cars rather than work yeah, with the bins sure. and the oil drainers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah that, that's the job I used to hate. That. Yeah, what, okay. what in my eyes I thought wasn't the wasn't a mechanic's job, but you have to do it at the start. Yep, yep. The um, with regards to. You spoke about halo cars before, mm-hmm. unicorns, mm-hmm. that type of thing. I imagine with the high demand, limited supply of cars, allocation is more of an issue now than it has been in the past with um, just getting yes, correct. a commitment I, to a I, car. I guess, yeah, there is more buyers for these cars and the factory still you know, produces them in relatively limited numbers. I know we say we see a lot of Porsches on the road these days, but every brand's growing. We haven't really grown that much in hindsight. So it is getting harder to get. And obviously our customer base is staying loyal to us and we're getting more customers added to that. So yeah, it does become a little bit of a hard, you know, situation to be in, but it's better that we have that situation than the other way around. So so basically, 
What cars do I have to buy to get a GT3 allocation? Well, that is a off-air question. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I need a brown paper bag full of money. <laughs> In all seriousness, GT3 is, you know, we be positive. We, we say to customers, we'll, we'll try our best. And it's basically a, a combination of time factor and... And, and luck, you know, production now is not only up to the factory, but whether the factory can stay open as well. Yeah, for long sure. enough to build them. And what is, if you ordered a new 992 yep. today, yep. Depen- how long? Depending on the model, we're, we're sort of quoting in quarters now. So, where years ago or 18 months ago, we'd say, yep, roughly this month, and it'll be here this month sure. after this production. We sort of say, you know, your Q2, Q3 as an ETA. Is, is that is that the number today? If, like if I, yeah, if I came I mean, in and wanted a 992. I mean, for a, for a 992, we'd probably be saying Q3 onwards. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, which which isn't, it, it sounds. foreplay. It sounds bad. Yeah, you, you know, you got to build it up. You can't jump straight into it. Yeah. But we've never had more, you know, you couldn't get anything under six months anyway. So yeah, sure. despite all this, you know, global chaos, you know, shortage of parts, factory closures, you know, it's not like we've tripled or quadrupled our wait times which some brands have, we've sort of gone, you know, a few yeah, months sure. more so here and there. They've done a good job. You must have got supply because you've had a great year. We have, but we've, I guess we always get supply. It's just we're not getting enough to what we need. Okay. So, so how's it compared to previous years? So we just, we've noticed that where in previous years we'd be able to swap demos faster, have a little bit of floor stock, mainly with your Cayennes and Macan. So if someone came in, you know, one of the car wasn't too fussed about colors, just or models, just one on one soonish or within a month or two. We could normally accommodate. Well, well, now at the moment we we can't get that done. It's basically order only. We'll try our best with with an occasional demo here and there. So that's where we're sort of missing out. That surplus of dealership stocks not there because they're yeah. trying to accommodate all the customer orders first, which of course is the the right and the smart thing to do. So what do you do when you're not here vlogging Porsches, Marco? Well, in this busy time, I do live here, as my girlfriend says. (laughs) Um, But at the moment, with our work days, Monday to Saturday, it leaves basically Sunday, and it's catching up with friends, family, and uh, very partial to golf, especially the last three three years I've become obsessed with it. So it's basically my sport of choice now. Well, I did notice that the uh, driver selection has a range of golf products. Oh, I can't believe that's happened. (laughs) (laughs) We do have a a, a customer base that is very, uh, I guess, if you had to pick a sport, golf is something that pops up all the time. You know, when Porsche asks customers' favourite hobbies and stuff, you know, they always seem to tick the golf box. You've obviously heard that joke about Lewis Hamilton pulls into a service station and... um, goes to um, buy, uh, yeah, pay for the fuel at the counter. And um, he, um, as he goes into his, get his wallet out, one of the, the golf tees falls mm. out of the mm. wallet onto the floor and, and the guy behind the counter, the service guy, he says, he's Irish. So he goes, well, I reckon I know you from somewhere. He says, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm known in motor car racing world. He's, Oh, that's interesting. And he says, um, and um, what's that you dropped on the floor? And he says, oh, well, and he picks it up and he shows it to the guy and he says, um, uh, that's for putting your balls on. And he says, good 
goodness me, that's Porsche's think of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped his golf tee. <laughs> the, um, tell me, with regards to the um, marketing of the brand, mm-hmm. I'm a subscriber to the Australian newspaper. Okay. Every weekend Australian mm-hmm. has got an ad for a limited edition Australia only GT3. Yes, I know. You must be driving you mental. Yeah. No, no, I'll take I, I see it on the freeway billboards yeah, as well, I, yeah. It is. It's on my email. There's I about think. 20, how many cars came in Australia? 25 or something? In the 20s, yeah. Yeah, I, they would have sold them before they even started the market. Correct, yeah. I mean, they're It'd basically be, pre-allocated by, by the factory. Did you guys even get a car? Well, I think there is a couple coming to birth, yes. So it's just your chances of getting one a donut, right? Please, Porsche. Stop marketing this car. Uh, it's killing me. That, that there, I can't answer for. That, <laughs> that is a strange one in my eyes. But great, yeah. great looking car. Great colour. I guess they're setting up for the next series, so getting everyone excited. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, when I see it, it just tips me over. No. I think, why are they still advertising this car? You're killing me. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty special. I guess they're just trying to give it airplay because it's the first time you know, a market's received a GT-specific car. It's pretty, oh. pretty amazing. Have you been to Stuttgart? Yes, I was lucky enough to go in 2018. Isn't it amazing? It is amazing. Yeah, yeah I am. Uh, yeah, I knew it would be very good, and I had very high hopes, and the hopes were completely smashed. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. What was the highlight? So many. I mean, we got to go to Porsche Classic, which was quite rare and quite hard to get into, and you get you see all the old old timers, you know, fixing. Three five sixes with hammers is and it tongs. Of, is and it full of guys with white hair? Is it white hair and uh, big caps? Well, I don't want to be stereotypical, but basically, yeah, they they, they all look like they'd worked for the for the company for for yeah. decades. You think on decades. people get shuffled from the production line slowly further closer to you Porsche know, Classic? At that point, that day I went in, I'd never seen a nine five nine before in real life, oh. and there was uh, one that had been written off, I think, in Monaco in a crash, and there was four on the hoist getting rebuilt. So I was just like went from zero to pretty much five, four and a half in like two seconds. So that was pretty amazing. There was a Carrera GT getting rebuilt. That's the famous oak green one, which they did a bit of airplay on. Mm-hmm. Uh, went from GT silver to oak green metallic. Um, that, yeah, that's another halo car for me. So that was It's been one lurking around car. the dealership for quite a while. It has been, yes. Yeah. That is the uh, famous Perf uh, man buying a lot of cars. <laughs> and yeah, we, not, we not have- so many the, out of here though. We At have least the he's pleasure, got orders in that we don't know about. We have the pleasure of looking after two of his cars. They're currently with him now. He's enjoying them. He's in, enjoying them, which is uh, rare to see. Most collectors putting them away and never to be his seen again. Driven, so, which is nice to see. Uh, he's a nice guy and he does uh, the right thing by the cars and he uses them, which I like yeah. to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matt Stuttgart. Yep. Did you get any uh, sneaky action because of your job? Uh, look... I don't know whether they were just, you know, playing to our egos. There's a few moments where they said, you're not allowed in here normally, but we got to go into the workshop, oh, the that museum, not yet. Mm-hmm. which was, yeah, supposedly it is hard to get into. You're not allowed to go into. And we got to touch uh, number one, uh, the famous original uh, 356 that was sitting in there. So we got to quickly put our hands on it. This is no, so you're almost like. Where the cafe is, sort of cafe waiting area at the back, you see glass uh, glass wall and you mm-hmm. see into the workshop there. So we, yeah, we got brought into into that room, which, yeah, they were, they were pushing cars around and setting them all up. And that's obviously where they set the museum cars up. So we were allowed in there. So that was pretty good. Did you uh, get to go to the warehouse? 
we were planning to go there, but for some reason it got cancelled. So normally something's getting moved sure. or something we weren't allowed to say. We had a, a factory tour. We saw most of it, but again, we got pulled from the factory. I had a walkie-talkie and the German instructor said, we have to get out now. So obviously something was coming down the line, which we weren't allowed to say. So I suppose that, that happens quite often. Yeah. When I was uh, a young man, I'm, I'm 62 today. Not, oh, happy birthday. Not to, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Currently. And, uh, when I was 16, I um, hitchhiked around Europe for three months and I went to the BMW factory in mm-hmm. Munich. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'd imagine this never happens in the Porsche factory, but they had those big uh, presses that stamp out the guards and the door frames mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. But it was back then uh, normal for um, workers to drink beer on the production line. So they have this big press that come down and stamp a bonnet or a door, whatever it was. But around it would be literally cases of beer, uh, glass, you know, wooden cases with glass, empty beer bottles around it, because that's just normal. That's just the German way of life. You drink beer all day long. Isn't it ironic that, that, you know, you talk about that era, mm. okay? So we're talking 40 oh, years ago, right? 70, yep. 70s, yeah. The brand was renowned for its quality. Mm, back then, particularly. Yeah. You look at it now, very, you know, as a premium brand, the reputation, oh, sorry, BMW, is terrible. Are we doing a beer commercial here? <laughs> is that what we're doing? I'm just suggesting that they might need to bring the fridges back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the other interesting thing, I also, um, I got a tour of the Rolls-Royce factories as, as, you know, this pimply kid. I wrote to them before I left Australia and they kindly, uh, so in the guest book it had... Uh, Ronnie Corbett, Simon McGrath, and the next day it was Shirley Bassey. These are all yeah, old yeah. stars, yeah, yeah. Uh, including the Simon McGrath. Anyway. Yeah. And, um, and then I, I went to Milan and I got the workers' bus from Milan Central out to the factory and um, did a tour of the museum and it was fantastic because I loved Milan? The, yes. Ferrari factory? Sorry, no, sorry, I beg your pardon. Alfa. Okay, yeah. Alfa yeah, Romeo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna and I got the workers' bus out to the, to the factory, but... Just so typically Italian. They went on strike that day and I couldn't do a tour of the factory. <laughs> <laughs> so they put the bus out there and go, nah, I don't think we'll work today. Yeah, All went back. back yeah. And I, and I got a lift back um, into the town by the world marketing manager for um, Alpha at the time. And he was just a great guy. He had nothing else to do that day. They have an Alpha museum back then? Yeah, absolutely. And they had the, uh, the Nuvolari car in there that you know raced... Uh, in the dark with its lights turned off behind the Bentleys and all those great stories, you know. Um, yeah, some fabulous stuff. They have a 33? Uh, yeah, look, it was, I was a 16-year-old boy and I'm now 16 t- 62, so uh, I can remember most of it and I've got some photos. <laughs> Classic. The, um, so, Simon, you bought any cars this week? Not this week, um, but I am particularly smitten with a certain white 911, uh, 997. <laughs> the week's not over. <laughs> That's right. Sitting down there on standard rims, it's looking very, very nice. I saw the, uh, so you brought the Volvo? Yeah, the Mighty, uh, the mighty Brick, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fantastic, driving it down to Collie and, and back. It's, you dropped uh, the boy off down the wheat bins or something, did you? Is that oh, what that was, during the week I did a, um, we went to Corrigan, my youngest boy, Monty, um, is just leaving school this year and from being at Christchurch. And he is now, um, he's going to do a stint on the wheat bins out at Corrigan and it was an induction day. So I raced out there with him, dumped in there, went out to Wave Rock, yep. had a look at Wave Rock, then went across to Coolan and mooched around there, you know, checking out the junk stores and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Yep. Got back to Corrigan, time to pick up Monty. 
and we were going to go to the Taco Bell in Midland on the way home, <laughs> but he his girlfriend was dancing at the Royal Show that night, so he had to get home. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There okay. you go. That was my weekend review. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> the um, I uh, hopefully we get three five six back this week. I've did my best. I don't know if I've spoken about it to uh, burn it down. Yeah. About a month ago. Yeah. The um, this was the back famous backfire. Yeah, yeah but it's um. Yeah, so hopefully end of the week that's uh, back on the road. And I've I been missing so. it I'd out like of the garage. Um, did, was the paint affected? Did you burn? No. Okay, so you're lucky. Yep. The, I um, did buy a motorbike though. I forgot to tell you. I'm not sure if I mentioned I bought a, a 1998 Yamaha. I think you did mention it last time we yeah. spoke. Yeah. And I've started to get. Sorry, interrupting you there, Mark. But I started. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to buy what's called an adventure touring bike. You know those big CC the things like the Honda Africa Twin. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's and one of those or the GS80. BMW thing, one of those big with panniers and all that sort of stuff on it. Sure. I'm, I'm definitely going to go that way probably in 2022. Where are you going? Oh, you know, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> not buying a, a, a bike like that if, unless I get to use it. There's a whole bunch of blokes like me yeah, yeah. of my vintage, and it's kind of like, you know, they armour up with the whole, all the gear and all the rest of it, and you take off for two weeks. On, um, oh, just going back about five or six years ago, came back from... Um, we're driving across the Nullarbor, me and a mate of mine, back to Perth from Melbourne, and we pull in maybe Madura, that sort of place, you know what yeah, I'm talking yeah, about, Some, somewhere yeah. around there, one of those stops, and um, this motorbike, fully loaded up, panniers, um, off-road type product that we similar to what you're talking about, but with road tyres on it, you know, so it's just a sit-up and beg type position for comfort. Had a car tyre on the back. Because of the amount of um, miles he's doing around the country... Oh, right. Yeah, he said it just lasts longer. It didn't corner too well, but... Uh, no, he said, but there's not that many corners anyway when you when you ride your motorbike around Australia. I, it's true too. I've told you the story about the uh, 356 Carrera GT that was uh, fire on fire at the back of the Mildura Roadhouse where it sat for years and years and people jumped on the roof of it. I feel sick. Yeah, it was there. That's <laughs> seriously, it's well known. It, yep, it was sure. at the back of the Mildura Roadhouse for... Forever, mm-hmm. and um, the um, compliance plate for that uh, ended up. Oh, that's right. We um, did we did discuss yeah. that in a classic prattle. We did, which I uh, yeah, I've got a bit of a problem with that, but it doesn't matter. The um, so with um, with regards to holidays moving forward, I reckon the gates are going to get open pretty soon. Where's the first place you're going? Like it, isn't it? Um, well, we've got tickets to stay in a winery for this is you know that you book your holidays in front. And um, in the Hunter Valley. Oh, okay. So that'll probably be the next place. Well, we've been to Tasmania this year, which I thought was wonderful, because you can just fly to Tasmania with no problems. Yep. It's a three and a half hour flight from here to get to Hobart. It's like that, and you're there. It's just awesome. And probably uh, my wife's cousin's in Melbourne, and she's good fun. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, there's a, an event on in January at Winton Raceway called Stuttfest. It's a Porsche-themed weekend f- yeah. at the track, and... Show and shine and all that sort of yeah. stuff. It's first time the event's getting hosted, so I'm just trying to organise to get to that if we can get in and out, you know. So mm. obviously getting out of WA is a piece of cake. It's just the whole yeah. getting back in, you know. There's, yeah. So, there's, you know, that's one of several car events I'm hoping to get to, in the, you know, mm. outside of WA in the coming uh, six to 12 months just because there's not, there's not much else to, um, you know, a lot of the events here, we're, we're starting to run out of um, 
I, unique we've had, cars. We've, well, we've had so many car events recently. Well, on Sunday, you had your VSCC thing. Yeah. There was that event by the Weekend Drivers Club out at Midland, right? That's which, right, in that warehouse. What yeah. was that building? It's an old Bunnings warehouse, apparently. Okay. I didn't go. I was on my way back from Geraldton, so I missed it. And there was also the Rotary show at Wesley College, you know, the one that is done there. When he says Rotary, he means the um, oh, yeah, service organisation. Yeah, not the Rotary <laughs> not engines. The yeah. yeah, not the Wankel. <laughs> but, um, and we're only a few weeks away from the Porsche Club concourse as well, which is, mm. these car clubs have got to start talking to each other. Oh, yeah. You know, I, if there's something on, I'll go to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when you've got two events on a day, it just makes, yeah, it's true. just pain the bot bot, yeah. especially when one of them is in college. Yeah, it's true too. Yeah. You know, it's a couple of hours away. Um, before we go any further, I'd like to talk about Kuoi Kyoto watches. I'm wearing one right now. What time is it, Mark? I'm oh, glad you asked, Simon. It is nearly 20 past eight in the evening. Kuoi. Wait, what hand is Mickey's tail on? <laughs> Kuoi is a watch brand that's established in the historic Japanese city of Kyoto in 2020. Very oh, new company. I've been in Kyoto, it's fabulous. Brand was created with a vision of appealing a classic design from Kyoto to the world. They want people from around the world to enjoy high quality classic watches that are handmade in Japan. And they are very affordable, I've got to tell you. The um, what little nub are you wearing now? That, uh, yeah, this is, very, called, uh, this is called the old timer. It is an automatic, it uses uh-huh. a Seiko movement, uh-huh. and $380 Australian, free shipping anywhere in the world. That's fabulous. It's so as a, as a daily watch, it's yeah, yeah. pretty classic. Now, it is they, their watches are relatively small and yeah. would suit a more petite wrist like my own. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, I certainly wouldn't be able to wear the boat anchor that uh, Marco over there's got on. And the <laughs> Did I tell you my Rolex story? But I know this is a... We're, <laughs> we're still talking about Kuoi Kyoto here let's at the get, moment. Let's, let's get that finished. Hey, the episode sponsor. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about the city of temples. Yeah, okay. And um, anyway, so if, you, if you're interested, check them out at kuoi-en.com. That's K-U-O-E-E-N.com. Now, tell us your Rolex story. Well, you know, as a kid, I was into stuff that I thought was of quality. So, you know, I was... I was reading Sports Car yeah, is this, World. Is this going to be a fake Rolex story? Sports Car World. No, just the opposite. Okay, keep going. So this is a, uh, an endorsement of quality as a principle. So um, I went and bought myself a brand new Oile- uh, Rolex Oyster date. Brand new. Brand new. It cost me $690. And with, uh, so the years go by and um, I stopped wearing it after a while and because... Uh, Kind of like now, time is everywhere. It's on my phone, it's on the wall, it's, I look at a computer screen, it's just like time is everywhere. So I, I kind of wanted the freedom of not wearing a watch. Although, you know, men don't wear much sort of personal jewellery, so watch is one of those self-expression things and sure. status and prestige and touch to it all. Anyway, so um, I had it just in its box and I had the original anchor and the receipt when I bought it back in 1970-something, can't remember when it was. I had all of that, and I, at one stage I had it um, as like a semi-restoration done on it, sure. where they put a new face, yeah, okay. and they um, replaced the little 
a luminescent dot that's on the top. But it's, it was the one that had the helium gauge on the side. So it, as you went below 6,000 feet, which I didn't do very often. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rarely. I just yeah. point that out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would, the air would split and the helium uh, atom would come out the side. Oh, thank goodness, yeah. I know, because yeah. I was concerned. So yeah, yeah. it was really important I got that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so I had it for all those years. And, and I was going to... I was thinking about giving it to my son for his 21st birthday. Yeah, nice one. And I showed it to him and he goes, oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't want the old man watch, Dad. Yeah, yeah, I don't want it. So Just we, check my email. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so anyway, so I, the investment was, um, you know, I had many years where I did wear it. And, I, um, you know, I had sort of young executive type jobs and beginning of real sure. estate, all those sort of things. So it was a nice uh, status symbol to have on my arm. And um, anyway, so then I decided to sell it. So that watch cost me $690,000, had pleasure, sorry, $690, <laughs> had pleasure of owning this thing. So there's a parallel here to Porsche cars. Sure. The years of ownership, pride of uh, owning this thing that was special. And I sold it for 27000 when I sold it. And that was uh, about two years ago. It's amazing. Not bad, is it? It's not a bad return on investment. Well, I guess it's... Well, yeah, actually, maybe. You know, hard to say. Yeah, it's well, certainly, um, if I'd have bought a piece of rubbish... You know, a citizen. Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. Or you know, some, <laughs> some lesser brand, some lesser, uh, less, let's say, more mass-produced, less personal, uh, less prestigious, etc. It probably wouldn't have done as well as it did. But the fact that I had everything—the receipt, the box, sure. the anchor, yep. the service books—and particularly all of the parts that they took off. Mm. I had the, the two hands and the old face, and they uh, sold it to the guys in London Court who deal in them internationally, great guy. And um, he said what they were going to do is put back on the old hands and the old face and then probably And then drop it for 50. Internationally. Oh, he reckons there was a good five to six grand in it instantly for it. Oh, good on you. And I was like, good on you, go yep. get it, you know. And, um, yeah, so there's my Rolex. There is, a, there, is, there is a lot of car enthusiasts that are also watch enthusiasts. There's a lot of, there is a common theme. There is a very common thing, Mm -hmm. the chrono theme. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, because I think this generation is coming through now, I reckon the watch fascination thing is short-lived. Really? I really do. I think it's going to do a circle. In fact, I think it's coming around, and that's reflected by Mm. your $27,000 Rolex. Yeah, that's probably sold to a guy who's 50. Um, That could be the case, but so you know what? It's a 50-year-old that's also buying that 930 Turbo oh, or, no, or that 964. Definitely. Or, or that 997 Series 2 Carrera no, if someone 60, else that's doesn't buy it. That's a 62-year-old that's going to buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I was pumping you up. Yeah. <laughs> Pump my Future customer, you know. But, like, on the, on the watch theme, I've always aspired to a Rolex Submariner, mm. right, but they're just getting further away from me. It's sort of like that Longwood 911 fantasy I had oh, yeah. where I should have just bought the 2.4 litre one that I always wanted, you know what I mean? And yeah, you know, done with 73 and just bitten the bullet, but now I've a one. It's a market of speculation now with those. Oh, it yeah. is very much. I, you know, I doubt if they get used a lot. Mm. It's all about okay. oh, So there's a few that still get, you know, I, I know an owner of a 73 2.4 mm-hmm. and... He also has a 993 C4S, beautiful car. White, too, that is actually, right? Um, and he's um, the 73 car. He swaps between them as dailies. He keeps one in storage, use it for a month, and use the other one for a month. Yeah, so he, his car does get driven. Mm. He's now retired, but, you know, 
prior to that, he was commuting daily to town in the, in the car. Mm. So, yeah, so they are getting used. There are oh, – look, there aren't many cars from 1973 that you could still use as a daily, let's face it. Yeah, true, yeah. Yeah, still have some yeah. modicum of comfort. Yeah, yeah, true. If, you know, air conditioning aside. Because yeah. I don't I, – you know, I, I don't even think the aircon in the 993 C4S would be – that good either. You know? I know. There are, <laughs> no. there's a, there, him, legend has it. There's a guy in Melbourne. Oh, him. Who does the, uh, he pulls, this is on 993, mm-hmm. he pulls out all the Porsche stuff and replaces it with uh, Ford Sierra okay. pieces. And apparently they're the same size mm-hmm. and the outlets are on the same side and blah, 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 blah. And next thing it turns into a fridge. Yeah. And, really? Uh, yep. Yeah, and that was what was done to my 993. Terry Healy from the Old Timer Garage yeah, sold yeah. it to him, mm-hmm. and he gave it to this guy. He reckons you know like a month or two waiting list, and it goes in, and they use these uh, Sierra Ford Sierra bits. He's worked it all out, so this is a, a clearly man clearly he has very um, involved in air conditioning, not necessarily cars, but air conditioning is his bag, and. Um, yeah, he's figured out what will go, go in there. I wonder if it's the same guy. There's a guy in Melbourne who also does aircon. He's very cool. Was that a dad joke? Yeah, that was yeah, the dad joke. That, you know, that sounded like me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy in Melbourne cool. that does, does aircon um, installs in 356s. Yeah, I don't know if that's the guy. Is he Italian? No. Yeah, I don't know, Mark. Yeah, anyway, yeah. that aside. Mm. But yeah, aircon, if there's ever a car that's needed aircon... When you oh, live in God, Perth, yeah, they were hopeless. They the airflow at a three five six. They used to rip could. out the uh, compressors to increase the power in the uh, in the older ones, <laughs> or the old nine elevens. Yeah, in the G series and all that. Yeah. Just rip them out. I've never There's seen a drag on power. Yeah, I've never seen a G series car when you lift the back with the compressors belt on it. <laughs> always the compressor just sitting there. Yeah. The belt's just not Correct, on. Correct. Yeah, you get an extra ten percent power. It was common. It was tuning back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> With the um, with with the modern aircon units, mm. you know that they fit retrofit yeah. to cars. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not a one box solution that just drops into like. Yeah, it's hard with aircon. You've got condensers, you've got the the piping, you've got the refrigerant storage. There's a lot yeah. to it to retrofit. Yeah, the okay. displays. Most of the car modern cars now have you know, kilowatt systems basically in it. If you read through it, that's why they're so cold in new cars. Oh, yeah. the, the units and the power of them is amazing. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. And um, they must be they must be more efficient because in modern cars, oh, modern cars have more power. Don't get me wrong, but you can see by the condensation with the water coming out when you leave a modern car yeah, park. Yeah, park it's, sure. like, yeah. It's, it's like your home aircon system. It's <laughs> yeah. exactly the same. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you were saying that, like that might consume a kilowatt of power. I mean, if you look at the the ratings on these compressors now and the size of them, I mean they're they're twice three times the size of. Those or old, the old units, yeah. Hmm. But yeah. they they don't seem to use. You know, you switch on the aircon on a modern car; it doesn't do anything to power anymore like it used to. No, it's more efficient. They obviously there's clutches on the face as well with the belts. Yeah, it's totally a mate of mine who's been a good. It's a customer. basic little engine, isn't it? No, it, it, what you, it is. Yeah, yeah. Got compressor. Yeah. Um, he was a young guy starting out in uh, finance, and a sander. He worked for a sander, and a sander got him a. I think it was a thirteen hundred cc Gemini. <laughs> and and that was his first car and he was showing me we were driving down Leach Highway and we're like and then he'd switch on the air conditioning and we'd go <laughs> <laughs> like this. so you had a choice you know 
air conditioning on or power or off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going up the hill. Turn off the aircon. Going up the hill. Let's slog up Leach Highway. <laughs> Do you know most of our sports cars decouple the aircon compressor when you're on a racetrack when you're pushing it hard enough? On, on full throttle. Open. Full throttle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. So yeah. electronically, it just to, to just stop any resistance that you may get from the compressor being operated. Is that so, right? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we got told that many years ago, and I was on a track day with Porsche. Here I was, you know, 21, trying to get optimum power, and I was turning the aircon off <laughs> on a hot day in Melbourne. He goes, what are you doing? It decouples. There's no need. I was like, what? Classic. So, yeah. I looked into it, and it was all right. I thought it was winding me up. That's like those golf tees. <laughs> Porsche, think of everything. <laughs> Talk about getting wound up. Why in the GT products mm. do they give us? piece of fabric that is impossible to clean once it's dirty to open the car door, mm. but still power windows. I guess it's a, a way to go retro without upsetting a customer. The pull handles, you know, are somewhat cool, in my opinion, and most people, you know, do like it. The but it's not like it's an option up, on all your cars. The wind-up windows, no, it's only for uh, certain models. Normally GTs, I mean, the Carrera T had it when we, when oh, we launched yes, that yes. car out. So, yeah, but traditionally, you're right, Mark. It's and, the, and the spiders, the early spiders? For GT cars, yeah. For anything oh, with a GT. I reckon it makes sense, you know, because part of modern life is you're driving through the car park and you've got to, the window's got to go down fast and you've got to be able to reach out and grab your ticket. Mm. That's what it's about. I'm talking about the cloth. Yeah, yeah. but that's like a, that, that a single could, action. Yeah, that's cool without going over the top. Yeah. If you had a door handle but a mechanical wind-up window, well, people would say that's stupid. But when people look at that, they seem to say, okay. like that. Some No one hates it, but most people say it's cool or they're just happy to go with it. But if we had the mechanical window, you, you I think might that would get a few people saying, it's yeah. a bridge too far. Yeah, you've been a bit silly. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> 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 All right, then it's, um, it's been very nice having you on Thank you. this evening. Thank you for it's been me. fascinating hearing your story um, and your path to sales yep. here and world domination <laughs> of the, the motor step. industry. <laughs> you know, uh, there's that old saying about sales it's the most important job in the world. And the reason is, is because nothing happens until someone sells something. That's it. It sounds like it's coming from a salesman, doesn't it? Sounds it? like a true fact from another salesman. <laughs> <laughs> Look, trust me. Trust me. <laughs> okay, Simon, so well, thank you very it's been much. A pleasure. For, yeah, it's been Mario, a pleasure. Great to meet you. Thank and you. Thank you for sharing with us your wonderful story. Thank yep, you very and, much. Uh, yeah, allowing us this uh, incredibly comfortable space. And so welcome. is it like this for everyone from now on, Mike? Is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should just book the room. Well, when's it being demolished? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got to do about another 12 months. Another. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, good one. Fantastic. Okay. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Mark. And Thank please you. think about f- subscribing on to our uh, channel on iTunes and check out all our sponsors. I'll put their details below. Thanks very much for listening to Auto Media. <laughs> <laughs>